Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a quick two-game set with the Cincinnati Reds, splitting it one game to one. They are still currently in last place in the American League East, four games under 500, 18 games back from the New York Yankees and nine and a half back from the final wild card spot. Quick disclaimer as always for any first time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew? What's going on, guys? <laughs> like we said a few minutes ago, just kind of going through the motions of a brutal final stretch, but uh, we'll get to see some probably exciting playoff baseball. Yeah. I mean, and if there's any time of the, you know, any season to be out of it at this point of the year, this is a pretty entertaining time to be out with, you know, you're watching Judge, and we got the next four games of that. We got Pujols chasing history. Got, you know, just a couple things to keep you entertained, even though, you know, the games really don't mean much at this point. Even though I, you know, I live down here in South Carolina now, I, I still listen to my uh, Portland, Maine sports station, and it's very football heavy this time of year. It's, it's a very open type show. You call in, the callers dictate what, what the topics are and for the whole first hour of the show it was baseball and only judge and otani very little red Sox talk so just just to you know kind of encapsulate how big uh that story is and um as it should be and i you know i can say that maybe baseball is not even advertising it enough i don't know it just seems like they're not doing a good enough job pushing it but they never have so yeah (laughs) marketing is not their strong suit joining us tonight off the bench from the city of providence rhode island charlie smith charlie what's going on guys yeah uh so well i mean from the last show we called the split but nothing crazy red Sox are still not mathematically out of it even though we know they're out of it so we're just kind of uh, we're just kind of coasting at this point, you know. The tank is on E, as it's been since probably July or August, and we've just been coasting on E for a couple of months. But you know, some some nice highlights with a couple of players that we didn't have beforehand, and finally, you know, you got JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts that seem to have kind of woken up with with home runs and things that we hadn't seen for what felt like forever. And uh, Reef Snyder's back, Kike's back, and we're doing our best to try to be as relevant as possible. And hopefully we can see Tristan Cassis hit over 100. 
That's the goal by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I'm watching. If if he can hit like forty percent of his weight, we're <laughs> we're good with that. You betcha. We I might have some thoughts on him later on, but you know you got two last place teams going. Uh, Great American Ballpark, if that's still what they call it in Cincinnati, pretty empty. Um, you know, Fenway still sells tickets, and it doesn't seem to matter how bad they are. It's you know, it's going to be eighty percent full at a minimum. But uh, yeah, and then we got the Yankees coming up next, so I guess we'll still touch on that. Uh, just for the audience, a quick update: Charlie is off the bench tonight. Um, we talked about last week. You know, we we have parted ways with Job Goddard. We are in the final stages of uh, an interview process um, to basically put a new host into that seat. It started with roughly 60 or 70 applicants. I weeded through them all. I narrowed it down to nine, and then we did group interviews last night with three people in each of them. The winner of each of those groups advanced to tomorrow, or technically, I guess, tonight for the listening audience. That'll be um, Thursday at 10 p.m., and then we'll uh, we'll figure out who's going to be with us for 2023 and probably beyond. And I tentatively, I'm hoping to do a show to introduce that uh, person, and that would be uh, probably released on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. So um, that could potentially be a fun show. Uh, as I told uh, Andrew and Charlie, this is probably the most stacked uh, final round we've ever had. Andrew went through the same process, beat at least 40 or 50 other applicants. Uh, funny story about Jason. We'll just say his process was similar. I don't want to I don't want to get into that. But um, Jason should have won. He was uh, he was the runner up, but because I was an idiot. Um, but there were some other circumstances that kind of made it a blessing. And then Jason came in later that year, obviously been uh, an all star with us uh, ever since. But uh, and then Charlie locked out. He was just the bench guy for a year and just kind of won his way in that way. But um, but yeah, so it's a tried and true process and um, pretty pretty excited about it because we, we've got some talented people uh, in the final round. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, just kind of touch on some things with this Red Series. Going to try to make it a, a quicker show than normal, but uh, the biggest story... Brian Bayo uh, continues uh, an impressive run. I think I saw in his last six starts, he's got a 2.67 ERA. Uh, I may be slightly off, but that's uh, approximately where he is sitting. Um, strikeouts, I think we could all agree we'd like to see those tick upwards a little bit, but he's still figuring things out. And uh, Rich Hill uh, taught him a curveball, so he's been working that uh, into his mix fastball's been sitting around 96 or so on average but go ahead Andrew what are your uh, thoughts on Bayo? just his approach has been quite frankly remarkable the fact that he gave up his first home run the other day set a Red Sox rookie record for most innings to start a career without letting up one 
was quite the accomplishment. He's faced some pretty good teams, and yeah, he had some pretty bad luck. He was getting babbipped left and right. His first couple starts led up, I think he might have done like four and five, you know, earned runs each of those first two starts. And since then, he's been lights out. Hasn't let up more than three in any of those. Some of those he didn't let up any. ERA has dropped every single start since his second. And he's showing a veteran-like ability to get out of jams. Yesterday he was in one where, you know, bases loaded, no outs. Yeah, it's the Reds, but any team is going to get one or two during that. And got out of it. Got out of it pretty, you know, handedly. And uh, Joey Votto is doing the broadcast for the Reds and I don't listen to Nesson anymore so I was watching that one and he seemed pretty impressed by him and you know I I was hoping he might throw a curveball yesterday he didn't maybe he'll save it for his next start against the Yankees but what he's shown in this you know this season where he's just skyrocketed up the uh up the system starting in double a getting rushed through triple a you know just due to circumstance, every single player and all their, you know, extended family were hurt. And he, you know, he gets thrust into the middle of the AL East when, you know, the Red Sox were still in the race. And he held his own. I, I love it. You know, I always thought maybe he had a cap of a three. But from everything I've seen, I have no reason to believe he can't be a number two. And now there's going to be hiccups next year. No doubt about that. There's going to be a lot of pressure and expectations on him, but he seems extremely coachable from that Alex Spear article that came out the other day. Uh, just seems extremely willing to learn. And I'm excited to see what a, you know, a regular spring training and full off season with full access to the coaches. Obviously we didn't have that last year with the lockout. Uh, you know, he gets to be up with the major league team, not just during the minor league portion of spring training. I think it's going to do him wonders. And I, you know, I think there's going to be people in that clubhouse that can definitely still help him out because there's no matter what direction this team goes in, there's going to be veterans uh, that'll have his back. Charlie. Yeah. I mean, just to add on to what Andrew said, I mean, this is something that we talked about on the show on, um, I think it was on Sunday night where, for totally legit or calling the cops that Brian Bayo can be, you know, a great pitcher and in the starting rotation next year and will be the ace by 2024. I absolutely believe that that's going to be the case. 2024, I think he's going to be a two or a one. Uh, this is somebody who slowly but surely each month has exponentially gotten better. This is someone who couldn't pitch past the fifth inning to getting through five innings to getting into the sixth inning each month that he has pitched. So in the month of July, his ERA was 8.82. Three of those four games could not get past the fifth inning. Actually, couldn't get past the fifth inning. Only pitched into the fifth inning once. Um, allowed 16 runs in 16 and third. 8.82 ERA. Following month, 4.66 ERA. Still has not received his first win, but his ERA almost in half. He's striking out more than one per inning. He's getting a lot more comfortable. He cut his walks number in half. The home run ball still hasn't happened. And uh, Andrew actually, already talked I think about. He did one. He did get hit the other night. Last night, I think was the first one. Oh, oh, gotcha. Oh, you're talking about July. Yeah. My bad. I'll right, go, and that I'll was. Go screw myself. No, 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 no. You're you're good. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, that was August, and then the month of the month of September happens. So July, August, September, he's allowed four earned and twenty one and a third. It's almost not not almost. It's close to the same amount of innings that he's done. 
and he's allowed four runs. His ERA is 1.69 in the month of September. His only two wins this year have come this month. He's only getting better. And here's the other thing. It's not getting warmer. It's getting colder. And he's still dominating. Usually what you see is pitchers get really warm in the summer. They're really starting to bring it. And it's not pretty. Now it's getting colder, and he's bringing heat. He's striking out six, seven guys in inning. Or six, excuse me, six, seven guys per appearance, which I'm happy with. The first couple starts, he was walking more than he was striking guys out, it felt like. He just could not get out of his own way. And I was nervous that it was going to damage his confidence. I'm totally ready for him in 2023. Bring it on. That's one of the bigger things for me is his composure with traffic on the bases. He doesn't seem to rattle. I think the Yankees were obviously his biggest test so far. Strikes out Stanton three times in that outing. I think Judge only got one hit off of him, and it, I, I think it was a single. And he's just not backing down from those big moments. And it's been quite a while since we've developed anybody, really. A, a long time. I mean, I think Buckles was the last one that was kind of homegrown that gave you something. And I, I think we can all agree that Bayo's uh, ceiling should be uh, higher than what his was. And I, I don't think there's any question whatsoever that he's going to be on the roster in the rotation right out of the gates in spring training. Could he even be the opening day starter at this point? I mean, who would you really want? They're going to give it to sale if he's healthy, no matter what. The, but, he don't deserve it. I mean, deserving you, you're not, it, you saw what happened when they DFA'd the backups backup catcher the other day. So they're not right. going to piss off any veterans by right. giving it to a, you know, a 23 year old or 22 year old instead of sale. I, yeah. No, if, if sales ready to go, it's going to be him. <laughs> what if he has yeah. a 5.0 ERA in spring training? I don't think they care. I, I'm going to be kicking and screaming the whole time. I don't want him to be my opening day starter. I don't know what we want to happen and what, yeah, what we want to happen, what will happen are two completely different things. When I think about the hype that we've had with Brian Bayo, there are only so many pitchers and Terry, this might actually have been before you were a Red Sox fan, uh, like diehard, like where you're watching it more than you're watching NASCAR and you probably still watch a lot of NASCAR. Uh, The Red Sox have had very few pitching prospects that they have really put all of their eggs, like eggs in the basket for there was a prospect that the Red Sox had years ago. I it was I can't remember what year. His name was Juan Pena and got hit. I think he got hit in the head with a liner, was never the same again. But this was the same thing where they're they got they're being so delicate with him. I actually want to look it up. Um, because he only made a couple of appearances. I want to say it was like in the late 90s, 99. He was 2 0 with a 0.69 ERA. The guy was an absolute stud. One run allowed in 13 innings, 15 strikeouts. The guy was on fire, but then got hit back in the head and was never the same again. And this is the same level of um, like power that like everybody has with Brian Bayo. Um, everybody thinks that this this guy could be the absolute next big thing. And for good reason. This is a guy who is 22, 23. Andrew, Andrew said this age earlier. 
it's insane because few there are very few pitchers or players in Major League Baseball that come up at this age now and dominate. Like the last one that was younger than him by a couple of years even in Major League Baseball, I think was Ronald Acuna. Wasn't he like 20 years old? And before him, like Juan Soto at 19. Like those are the guys that really came up at that age. A-Rod was 18 or 17 when he came up as a star. Nobody did that. Nowadays, it doesn't happen. It's insane. So I'm really excited to see what happens with Bayo in his future. I mean... I'm surprised he's still starting. I mean, Andrew, you've mentioned concerns of his uh, workload being high. He's never pitched this often. So I, I don't, they haven't given any indication that they're going to shut him down. Yeah, that was probably dumb on my behalf. I realized, like, that's me kind of hoping they would put him in bubble wrap, but they, they, would, they couldn't do that with his service time. They'd probably get a complaint. Oh, would they? Okay. I'd assume so. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the guys that came up, and, and I don't think anybody's really been hyped as much as he has because he really has dominated almost all the way up through the system. But, I mean, you had Henry Owens just mowing guys down in double A, was like 10 or 11 and 0, and just came up and like immediately flamed out. You know, he had no velo and. Uh, there was some hope that Johnson, Brian Johnson could be like a number four or five guy. I, I remember, you know, listening to, um, you know, the scouting reports on him as he reached the upper levels of the minors. And he obviously didn't, didn't pan out at all. So, I mean, it's just, there haven't been many guys we traded for Erod. And I mean, that worked out okay at times, but I, what what's the timetable on Mata? I guess he's the other guy you could really look at next season sometime. Last game was his best game out. Didn't walk anyone. I think he struck out seven. Uh, you know, yeah, he, he's been running into a lot of walks uh, since he's got promoted to AAA. He's, I think he's only had four or five starts since going up. But when he come back to from TJ, the command is the you know the final thing that comes back. Now, I, I don't know if he's a long-term starter, uh, but if not, he's going to be a weapon out of the pen no matter what. But I, not opening day by any means. He's going to take some time to develop and, you know, I would say all-star break or post-all-star break, maybe work him into the bullpen. You know, hopefully you're not rushing anything like you had to do this year. But, yeah, he's he's had a hell of a road with uh, – with a myriad of injuries uh, the last few years. Yeah, with Tommy John being one of them. Uh, September looks pretty good for him. Uh, he hasn't given up more than two earned runs, uh, has pitched uh, a total of 15 innings over those three September starts. Um, August here, um, let's go through that real quick. Just one bad start looks like against Erie. I'm not quite as familiar <laughs> with the. Uh, uh, other teams um, in that division, but uh, just he got thumped for for four earned runs against them, and then scoreless in his next three starts, and then in his fourth start only one. So I mean, he's been pitching. Pre- he hasn't been giving up many runs. Let's put it that way. The last couple of months. So, or go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, yeah, the fastball is absolutely electric. It's going to play at any level. So if he starts really honing in on the secondary stuff, I mean, that's exactly what they need. And hopefully, you know, again, if anyone can use a spring training, it's absolutely him. I mean, he can try to work out his slider. That'd be huge. I mean, he's got a pretty average curveball. But yeah, the the fastball is going to be his bread and butter. And will he be on like an innings limit next year since he really hasn't had a full year? I'd imagine so. And that's why, you know, I think if he show if he forces his hand, then it's gotta be the bullpen because you know, okay. I just didn't know if there could be a spring training surprise with him, but he's at what? No, he's only in double a at the, Oh no, he's he in is, he is no, in he's yeah, my yeah. bad. Uh, Double A uh, up through August eighteenth, uh, and then over to Worcester. But that they they must be wrapping up soon. Um, all right. So, uh, who else was on the docket? Oh yes, um, this will uh, get some discussion going. Garrett Whitlock by, I think it was uh, Alex Cora's comments in the last uh, day or so, uh, seems to be indicating that. Whitlock will likely go to the rotation. Now, Whitlock has been shut down for the rest of this year, is going to have uh, surgery on his hip, uh, expects to have a normal spring training. And they've basically, you know, continuously said he they do expect him to be a starter. And I, I think a lot of us took for granted he got put back in the bullpen pitched fairly well there. And I, I think there might've been some expectation. And I know I'm guilty of this, that maybe he, he would stay in the bullpen, but that doesn't appear to be the case. So is that the right move? I'm going to go first here. Absolutely not. This was a project that failed. It was the beginning of the demise as far as the rotation and the bullpen went, they messed with something that just was not working. And, I know Andrew's going to say, but what other options did we have? We really didn't have too many. Like, let's be honest. We were bleeding whatever options we had, and those weren't working. The the bullpen of broken toys, it's like the, the island of misfit toys and broken toys was the Red Sox bullpen. They either fell apart, couldn't hack it, got traded because they sucked, or because we just needed to get rid of a player to be named later, or just got outright DFA, just gone. So we're left with real limited options on who's going to be in that bullpen. And and honestly, with the names that you have left, who do you trust? Who do you trust to close out games? If, if you don't have him or Tanner Houck there, you're going to be forced to get somebody else. You're going to be getting another bunch of misfit toys, project players that they're going to be having in the bullpen. And I don't want that. I don't want that for 2023. Not after 2022 blew up in our face the, the way that it did. He did not get paid to be a starter. He got paid to be a long reliever slash closer. That's why we got him, not to be a starter. I do not want this project for him to be a starter, be the reason why he turns into the next Daniel Bard. No thank you. Not down for it. Don't want it. Next. All yours, Andrew. Yeah, sorry. Ime Doka might be uh, gone for a long time. So that just broke. What happened? Celtics? Definite suspension. Domestic violence? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, 
unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Huh. Well, that's Celtics related. Maybe we'll. Yeah, uh, Jesus, didn't expect that. I don't know what were we even talking about? The, um, uh, Whitlock. No, Whitlock, yeah. <laughs> Plowing ahead. Yeah, no, uh, with Whitlock, I mean, he's always been a starter. Cora pretty much said, you know, I get that six outs are important, but I'd rather have five innings. And it absolutely sounds like Cora's call. And if he goes into the season knowing that he's going to be a starter, uh, then the team can brace for it more. They can prep for it more. Because you either have to replace Garrett Whitlock, the starter, or you have to replace Garrett Whitlock, the reliever. And, yeah, it's damn near impossible to do in the middle of the year. Just you can't – it can't happen. And I – you know, they tried last year when Hal couldn't go to Toronto. It set off a couple different, you know, uh, dominoes to fall. And they didn't recover from it, quite frankly, all things being honest. But you can game plan for it uh, this offseason. You can game plan for Garrett Whitlock being hopefully a number three. And he wasn't healthy this entire year. He messed that hip up on that – Covering first when he slid, it was brutal from then on. I mean, the guy could barely walk off the mound. So if this hip hip surgery, you know, goes according to plan, and I don't want to jinx it when have they not? Uh, I don't see why Garrett Whitlock can't be a one hundred fifty to one hundred eighty inning guy next season. And yeah, you know what? It's on the front office to find a guy that's gonna be damn near as effective as um as him now you know what it might not even be one guy it's probably gonna have to be two but it's on them to find out and replace him because it's easier to get a guy in the bullpen that can give you two innings the sixth and the seventh than it is to give you a you know a number three starter because his value just skyrockets if he's uh if he takes that position i have a lot well, of concerns I just you go first. I just feel like I don't trust his temperament when he's out there. I don't like his body language at times. He's very I don't know if apprehensive uh is the right word, but I'm just a lot more comfortable with him being in the bullpen. Like we we know that works. And Tommy John, I mean, a lot of pitchers have that. It's not like it's a freak thing. The hip thing, that's kind of a freak thing. I just don't know how healthy this guy's going to be. And I I just, I don't want to ruin him. Like Charlie said, I, I don't think it'll be as dramatic as the Daniel Bard situation. That's the one we always go to because that's what we're familiar with. But go ahead, Charlie. Yeah. So, so I mean, here's here's the thing. Um, we we're just talking about An- Andrew was mentioning uh, the possibility of stretching him out between 150 and 100 innings, and that's fine. It's cute. I think it's a good idea if it was somebody not named Garrett Whitlock. Garrett Whitlock last year had 81 innings pitched. This year, just under the mark. So he's thrown almost 80 innings two years in a row. He's done. We're going to be asking him to do double what he's done in his career next year. I get it. He'll be 27 years old. Can he do it? Possibly. But you're going to be asking him to pitch 30 times a year and get five innings each time. 
you're then going to have to find somebody who can give you Garrett Whitlock-esque relief performance. That is not going to come cheap. And it may not be available unless we cough something up. And I just, I think it's going to take a lot for me to change from the mindset of if it ain't don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because Garrett Whitlock, when he's in the bullpen, I have that warm, fuzzy feeling. I like that feeling. When Tanner Houck is there, I have that warm, fuzzy feeling too. If either one of them are in the bullpen and we're closing games out, I'm going to feel good about it. If one is injured, that sucks. If one's in a starting rotation because we're tinkering again, it didn't work this year. It, 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 and granted, we might have better offense next year to allow him to pitch a fifth or sixth inning. But of his appearances this year, when he started, how many times did he give us five innings? I have to look back. I think three, two, maybe. He, four performances of five innings. That's it. And in those performances, we saw him pitch 78, 80, 84, 70 pitches. Could he go a little bit longer in that last one? Sure. That last performance, he pitched against Cincinnati. Six innings, one run, not allowed, five hits, zero strikeouts. That's the one that I remember. He couldn't gas it by anybody. He wasn't scaring anybody in Cincinnati. And we're going to be expecting him to go five, six innings every four or five games? No. I just, the amount of overhaul they're going to have to do to Garrett Whitlock is just, I think, a little too much. It's more than I'd want to gamble with. I, I just don't know if I feel comfortable with it. I just, I'm at a place where I like where he's at. I know what he can handle. I know what he can do. And when he's there, we're great. That's it. I'm going to mention this a lot over the course of the winter and perhaps early in the next season. Bloom next year is either going to conquer the hill or he's going to die on the hill. And if you're going to take a guy who's somewhat proven in the in the bullpen and you're going to move him into the rotation where he's completely unproven, you're going to have him over there and then you're going to have another unproven guy replacing him in the bullpen. There's a lot of, there's just so much uncertainty. Like, why would you want to take two gambles like that? I, I, I don't know. I like, I like Schreiber. I like Hauk. I, I think, you know, hopefully they'll be healthy for the whole season. Back issues, I think, scare a lot of people, but. It's just really daunting. Just building that bullpen, even with Whitlock in it, just pretend he's going to stay in it for a second. That's really daunting. That's really daunting because you don't know if Strom is going to be priced out at this point, if his value is going to be too high for... Strom's not coming back. Okay. well, well he, wants to, he wants to be a starter. That's his whole thing. Which is hilarious because yeah. he's got a very short sample size of that and it didn't go well. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, yeah, Strom, yeah, I think we can easily turn the page on him. <laughs> which what, is, I, what I don't like about Strom, too, oh, sorry, Terry. You, no, you no, ahead. you go. <clears throat> Strom, when I was watching him pitch last night, I, I don't, when I saw him pitch, I got like, you know, the way that he was touching his hair and readjusting his damn belt every single pitch. <laughs> you cannot tell me that he's not doing something stupid or something fishy. And he just doesn't. Been mowing people down lately. Mowing people down. And here's the thing he was doing that and he still had no control. And some of those pitches were, they were close, they weren't being shaped properly. 
he still made this game almost get out of control. The first game was ugly as sin. We should have won this one five to one. And instead we put Strom in. He walks three guys. That's unacceptable. How do you only get nine or ten strikes in your outing? You 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 barely got that strikeout. Yeah, you got it, but you were laboring to get that. Strom is not a starter. He's out of his damn mind if he thinks he's going to be a starter. If he's going to be a starter, he's going to be a starter in Cincinnati, in a city that really doesn't care about baseball right now. And I don't think he wants to go there. I think he really does want to stay in Boston, and that's the crazy thing. He's not going to stay. Not for that. No way. If he thinks he's going to start, I, 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 if I was the GM, if I was the president of baseball operations, if I'm high in bloom and he comes up and says, I want to be a starter, I'm going gonna, gonna to laugh and be like, sit the hell down. Shut up. You're sitting in the bullpen. That's what I'm telling him because I don't want to see anything remotely close with him as a starter, not even as an opener. Forget it. No, thank you. I think Jason said on the last show, get ready for more Matt Barnes propaganda, essentially, for the for the late innings. I think we're in for a winter of that. And I think Brazier's coming back. He's still controllable next year. And if they wanted to get rid of him, it would have been easy to do by now. So you got a couple of guys you're already not comfortable with to go with a couple that you're still comfortable with and Schreiber and Hauk. And be interesting to see if Josh Taylor makes a comeback <laughs> in the offseason. I mean, he was a pretty solid reliever. If they just even bring him in for an invite, I don't think they're I see, I don't think they're gonna count on any of these guys. I think Matt Barnes can be a sixth, seventh inning guy. He's showed me some pretty good stuff here. Uh, in the last couple, you know, weeks to a month, um, I'm never going to give him the eighth or ninth inning again. But I wouldn't mind seeing him in the sixth or seventh inning. I, you know, You're, those innings are what they are. It's always temporary with him historically, and I just no, think- absolutely. But the, all those guys and those, yeah, no, there's no all star reliever that pitches the you know, the sixth inning. So if that's Matt Barnes's role and he dominates, then whatever. It's house money at this point. I mean, Frank Germ Franklin German, excuse me. I'm trying to get his uh newly updated name uh correct. Franklin Herman. Even baseball reference had to fix that. Is it Herman? <laughs> I is. thought it was German. It is Herman. It was according to every single website, but everybody keeps changing their mind. I mean, we'll, yeah, no, just... he said Franklin Herman. So okay, Herman right. it is that one flows a little bit better, but um, not good so far. Gave up a, I think, a home run tonight, and then couldn't get an out in his uh, other appearance, uh, which led to four runs being scored. So. It's crazy this year. I mean, there is a theme with the exception of Bayo of minor league prospects coming up, making their debuts and just fluttering and not, not doing well. Casas, I don't even know if we can count on him to make the team out of spring training next year. You, you still have Hosmer. I'm guessing he's out with uh, some back injuries right now, but a lot of, uh, a lot of concern right now with some of our kids. And we already saw Duran, not work out, and uh, I, I know I'm missing another one or two guys, but but yeah, there's a lot of work to be done <laughs> ahead of uh, 2023, and not the greatest market this year uh, in terms of pitching, so um, 
And I, I still don't believe Hein Bloom's going to make like splashy trades. I think he, he still wants this farm system to get into the top five as far as being ranked and whatnot. So, um, uh, it's just, uh, going to be an interesting winter. One of the most interesting and you got the judge thing that we'll all be locked in on and the big shortstop class this year as well. So any other thoughts before we wrap? No, I mean, it's going to be, you know, a, a relatively calm, you know, the, the tide has already come and gone. We're just kind of walking the beach, just enjoying it, you know, enjoying the breeze. We're not expecting anything crazy. This is a, a great opportunity for some of these rookie candidates and rookie players for the Red Sox to show us what you got because Tristan Casas is not even hitting .090. That's crap. You know, got three has hits. Two are bombs. You know, so that's cute, but that's not going to cut it. If you if one out of every 20 at-bats that you have is, is a home run, that's just one hit. That's a home run every five games. I'm sorry. That's just not enough. Uh, that's not going to do it for me. And I don't think it's going to do it for you gentlemen either. So he's going to have to figure it out. And it's going to be in the – it's going to be shown by AAA appearances. And he'll probably be called up at some point next year. But I'm totally cool not seeing him next year. Totally cool. Well, see, that's the reason they weren't bringing him up and why everyone right. was complaining about, you know, why the hell isn't he up? It was stupid, but, you know, he probably wouldn't have been if Hosmer hadn't gotten hurt. He right. hasn't had a normal year yet. It, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And that Bloom and Brian O'Halloran have routinely said, you know, for the better of the prospect, we're not going to call a guy up just to be a savior because they understand the pressure it puts on them and it blows. Which, which and, makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. And I've seen way too many damn tweets like, oh, here's Casas, another bust. It's like he's gone through a lot. You know, he broke his wrist the, or thumb or whatever his first year out. And then he's had some weird years. You know, he loses a year to COVID. He goes to the Olympics in the next year. He blows out his ankle this year. He really hasn't had a set developmental time. And he'll get the full off season. I'm, I'm not too worried. And he, they can go into camp with Hosmer and him. No problem. So, yeah, I'm not – I have no I have no concerns about Tristan Casas going forward. It, it, oh, go ahead, Terry. It would just be nice to have some certainty, you know, ahead of next year. I mean, Wander Franco, I, I don't have his numbers up. I mean, he didn't – I don't know if he really killed it, but he was pretty solid out of the gates. Yeah, but he was an 80-grade prospect. Tristan Costa is not an 80-grade prospect. Like, Wander Franco is one of the top 10 prospects of all time. One of the only, I think there's only been some like five 80 grade hit tools that have ever been given out, and he was one of them. It Tristan Costas doesn't have that. I mean, he's just not that guy. Well, I mean, we've seen other prospects just in our organization come up and, you know, get off to a more steady start. And, but they were all more, you know, they were all more regarded than Costas. Costas is a nice prospect he's a top 100 guy isn't he he's a top 100 so many so was bobby dahlbeck and jaron durant so dahlbeck you know. was in the top 100 yeah all right i didn't i didn't yeah think he i was, mean but... top 100 doesn't mean really much at the end of the day it's just you know 
there's a that's a lot of players. It's a great distinction, but you know, unless you're one of those top ten, top fifteen guys, those are the ones that you know. If they go sideways, then you're like, oh wow. But after that, it baseball. You know, it's it's a damn tough game. And if Costas was extending the zone and swinging at everything and missing, he's shown a great eye. I I. He hasn't chased anything this season. So I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to get it figured out and settle in just fine. Well, one of the things they have said about him is his ability to make adjustments. And so that's part of why I'm wondering why, how come there's no adjustments right now. And he's, he's really hitting a lot of grounders, soft grounders. I, so I don't know if that's a timing thing at the plate or – Whatever he did, drive one close to the warning track tonight, but something's just not connecting with him while he's in the batter's box. But any any other thoughts, Charlie? Nah, we'll see. I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm still kind of wrapping my head around Bobby Dalbeck being in the top 100. That's hard to swallow. I didn't think you. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I didn't think so. Uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. The, the rest of the season is going to continue playing itself out and. We'll try to pretend to be shocked when we get, you know, eliminated in three or four games, whatever it is. I'm sure the Red Sox will have a, a late spurt. We still have um, the Yankee series to look forward to. And the uh, horrific thing is that we might actually see uh, Aaron Judge break Roger Maris's record in New York. That's going to be hard. Uh, I'm just curious to see if it's going to be Rich Hill giving up both home runs or if it's going to be Hill. No, Brazier. It's going to be Bra- Bra- It's going to be Brazier. <laughs> Think so? Yeah. What he's at? What right. right now? Sixty, or did he get one tonight? Uh, he, he hit sixty. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he had hit one today. Okay. Uh, let me check actually, because um, they were winning eight to two when I last checked. Um, let me see. All right, Andrew's saying no, but okay. No, they walked him on four pitches in his final appearance. Nice. I'm sure that drew some booze. So the next two uh, home run balls are going to be very. Uh, you know, significant. The the one that ties it, and then number sixty two, and then whatever he ends up with. What what could he end with here? How many games we got left? What sixteen? They got uh fourteen games or twelve. Let me see. They're ninety and fifty eight, so that's one hundred and forty eight. They've got fourteen games left. Fourteen. So he very well could hit another five. five? He could hit sixty five. I think that he could would, hit five. Would probably be tops, but yeah. I'd love, I'd love to see him hit 67 and break Sosa's 66. That'd be amazing. But I think 65 is going to be the cap, and I think he's going to break the record. He's going to break the real record against the Red Sox, which is going to be a tough pill to swallow. But you know what? I'm happy for him. He's a, he's a good kid. And uh, I'm excited to see a piece of rich history happen by a not-steroid-using player. So take it for what it's worth. I'll, you know, I'll give him his kudos when he hits it. Maybe we'll get lucky and he won't hit both against us, but I think he's going to, at the very least, tie Roger Maris. I don't think we're going to walk him 16 times. There's no way. Yeah, especially if we're one on 1% chance of <laughs> signing him, which is probably yeah. what it is. But, right. But, all right, let's, uh, I guess, just wrap on that. We will be back on Sunday to talk about who did give up that uh, 61st home run to to judge and um 
Uh, maybe some more news on uh, who's going to be joining us for 2023. So everybody have a good rest of your week. Take care.